Chapter 9 of The Princess and the Plowman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. L. Zelke. The Princess and the Plowman by Florence Morse Kingsley. Chapter 9. When Felice Vivian knocked at Mary's door an hour or so later, it was with a timidity entirely new and surprising to herself. Already she had become mysteriously aware of the impassable barrier which marriage rears between the wife and the maid. Mary was sitting by the window, her face composed and tranquil, as was its wont, but bearing unmistakable traces of recent tears. "'Why, Mary, honey,' cooed Felice in an instant flutter of feminine sympathy, "'you've been crying.' Her dark eyes sparkled with exciting speculation as to the reason for these belated tears. "'Yes,' admitted Mary, without attempt at subterfuge. "'I have been crying, though I'm sure I don't know why.' "'I know why,' triumphed Felice, dimpling with romantic enjoyment." Mary's limpid gaze was both inquiring and trustful. "'You couldn't bear to have him leave you, poor dear. And why did you allow it?' Mary appeared plunged into profound depths of conscientious retrospection. "'No, Felice,' she said at last. "'You were mistaken. I expected that he would go away. He said that he would, you know.' "'But I'm afraid he will find it very unpleasant to explain everything to Miss McKillahenry and her father. I'm sure I would.' "'Unpleasant?' cried Miss Vivian wrathfully. "'Why, Mary, he loves you!' Mary shook her lovely head. "'How could that be?' she asked mildly. "'We are—why, we are strangers to each other. But he has been very good to me.' I shall always remember that. And I shall remember today, too, she sighed reminiscently. If he hadn't fallen in love with you, Mary, he wouldn't have wished to marry you. Felice spoke slowly and convincingly. He does love you, and I think he is perfectly irresistible. Really, honey, I could have shaken you for acting so like a graven image today. Mary surveyed her friend calmly, and with just a tinge of the displeasure she had displayed earlier in the day. "'Perhaps you don't realize it, Felice, but that is a very strange thing for you to say to me,' she said with dignity. "'If he loved me, it would have been perfectly easy for him to tell me so. He would not have left it for someone else to say. "'If he had told you... "'What would you have done?' persisted Felice recklessly. Again, Mary pondered this new and unsupported hypothesis. Then she blushed resentfully. "'I can't imagine his saying anything of the sort to me,' she murmured. "'He—why, Felice, he isn't at all like any other man I ever met.' Felice apparently smothered a yawn in her handkerchief. "'Shall you come down to dinner tonight, Mrs. Ghent, "'or would you like me to send you up something?' "'She inquired cheerfully. 
Mary started at the sound of his name. "'Why do you call me that?' she asked breathlessly. "'Because it is your name, dear,' said Miss Vivian in a businesslike tone. "'You may as well get used to it. And, by the way, shall I tell father and mother, or will you?' Mary drew a deep breath. "'Must they know right away?' "'Of course, child. Everybody's got to know.' That funny little clergyman will publish it in the papers tomorrow, and his wife will tell everyone she knows all about that sweetly unique country wedding. I could see she was really in a hurry to get away at the last, and there is her memory book, you know. Mary's white fingers crept up to touch the drooping rose at her breast. She sighed pathetically. It is very unpleasant to have one's affairs published and and discussed, she complained. I should like to have kept it all quite to myself, to think about. Well, honey, you may think about it all you like, observed Miss Vivian coolly, and other people will talk about it all they like. But I am sorry for him. He didn't appear sorry. Do you think he did, Felice? implored Mary. I'm afraid I have been selfish and and inconsiderate, but, dejectedly, there's no helping it now. I can never make it up to him. Yes, you could. How? Miss Vivian burst into a mocking little laugh. While you're thinking over the matter in general, honey, suppose you concentrate upon this one thing in particular— it's one of those deeply involved psychological problems. But an educated person like yourself ought to be able to elucidate it in time. Mary was brushing her tumbled hair, which had fallen in a shining veil about her face, quite concealing it from Felice. I am going to my guardian tomorrow, she announced suddenly. I shall start by an early train. Felice paused in the friendly act of laying out a dinner gown. "'Well,' she said guardedly, "'I must tell him what I have done,' went on Mary in a strangely muffled voice. "'And I shall ask him to give me my money. "'Then we must start for Hawaii at once. "'At once, Felice. "'Perhaps a resident architect will be able to do the work satisfactorily. "'Anyway,' We must begin it as soon as possible. Oh, Mary, I surely thought you would give that all up now. Can't you see, Felice, that I must go on with it now? It is only for that he, he expects me to do it. Oh, murmured Miss Vivian stupidly, I should die with shame not to go away and begin that college directly, Felice. I must go. Don't you understand? I see what you mean, honey, but... Mary's white fingers trembled visibly as they knotted up the shimmering coils about her head. We won't talk about it any more after tonight, if you please, Felice, she said with a heroic effort after her vanished self-possession. And, and will you please tell your father and mother that I am married? Tomorrow? After I am gone? Oh, Mary, don't you mean to leave any word for him? There isn't anything to say, Felice. Not until after Mary's 
hurried departure for Boston the next morning, did Miss Vivian realize the fact that she had not been invited to accompany her friend. It was during the course of a rather unpleasant explanatory interview with her parents that the significant omission occurred to her mind. "'I never heard of such a preposterous affair,' sputtered Dr. Vivian wrathfully, "'and to think that it should have taken place from my house, with the consent—I had almost said the collusion—of my daughter. Felice, I am astonished and displeased. He should have come to me at once with the whole story.' I must see Gant this very morning, and the matter must be thoroughly ventilated and placed upon its proper footing. What is its proper footing, please, Daddy? inquired Felice with proper humility. I am surprised that you should ask, girl. Mary, as a married woman, has no business to be gallivanting about the country without the knowledge and consent of her husband. It's an outrage to the proprieties. The wedding was Mr. Gent's own idea, Daddy, and I don't see exactly how we're going to help it. Well, I shall see him at once and let him understand that I am not a party to, to this nefarious abandonment scheme. That's what it is, legally, an abandonment scheme to secure her fortune. And you allowed it to go on, unhindered? Can you explain yourself, daughter? Miss Vivian's scarlet lips quivered. I think you are very cruel to me, Daddy, she faltered with the becoming sparkle of tears on her curling lashes. I didn't invent it. I should never have thought of such a thing. And Mary didn't tell me till yesterday morning. Then she was so determined. And after all, Daddy, she's of age. And nobody could stop her getting married. Not even you. This unconscious tribute to his quasi-omnipotence was not without its soothing effect on Dr. Vivian. Nevertheless, he buttoned himself tightly into his coat, though it was a warm morning, and armored further against sickly sentimentality with a stout walking-stick and a Panama hat of fiercely curling brim, he presently sallied forth in search of the forsaken bridegroom. He found Hugh Ghent in the act of carefully examining some fresh-set strawberries in the privacy of his own garden. "'Good morning, sir,' quoth the doctor, with frowning severity of mien. "'Good morning, Dr. Vivian,' replied the farmer, with a cheerful, disconcerting smile. "'These strawberry plants seem likely to do well.' <laughs> "'Yes,' admitted the doctor, curiously. "'Your soil is tip-top for fruit.' wish mine was as good but that's not what i've come to talk to you about today i've been having a little conversation with my daughter this morning regarding that uh, wedding which took place yesterday i don't know what you think of me sir for permitting anything of the kind but the fact is i knew nothing of it not a word sir till after miss uh, till after the young woman in the case went to boston "'I suppose you're aware that she's gone?' Hugh Gant brushed the dry loom from his fingers with an immaculate handkerchief. "'Will you do me the favor of stepping into my library, Dr. Vivian?' he asked politely. "'It will perhaps be well for me to explain myself somewhat. 
though I had not expected to consult you with regard to my relations to my wife. So you are disposed to regard the young woman as your wife, I see, fumed the doctor. Well, sir, I'd about as soon take the west wind to wife as to marry that girl. She's no more idea of the proprieties of married life than a two-year-old baby. Felice knew better, and she should have come to me with the whole piece of outrageous folly at once. I should have put a stop to it. Hugh Gant placed a chair for his perturbed guest, and further proceeded to pour him a glass of cool water from the silver pitcher on the table. He appeared to be quite at his ease, and even smiled as he deliberately seated himself opposite the doctor. This piece of outrageous folly, as you are pleased to term my marriage with Miss Adams, was my own idea, he began quietly. Did not Miss Vivian tell you so? I believe she said something of the sort, yes, growled the doctor. But it was easy to see that you had been led into it by a misunderstanding of the facts. I understood the facts, I think, perfectly. You did. May I ask if you expected, Miss, uh, the young woman, to leave you at once in this high-handed manner? I certainly did expect it. My wife is free to do precisely as she pleases. She intends, I believe, to found a college for women in Hawaii. The doctor's jaw dropped. What in the world? he began. Why, man, what did you marry her for? You know the facts regarding her aunt's will, I suppose. Yes, I know all that. Tommy rot of the worst sort, I call it. A crazy old maid's notion, and it set a young maid crazy too, I should say. The will should have been set aside. As a matter of fact, it was not set aside. It will not need to be now. But what? You, you don't mean to tell me. Hugh Gent eyed his interlocutor with imperturbable good humor. Indeed, a quiet and, to the other, inscrutable smile was playing about his lips. I married my wife that she might have a chance to do as she liked, he said conclusively. The doctor brought down his walking stick with a wrathful thud. That's no way to manage a woman, sir, he snorted. "'and when you've had as much experience with them as I have, "'you'll find it out. "'Short and sharp is the word. "'Do this, madame, do the other, "'or leave the third thing undone. "'They like it, too, "'and just to prove that I know what I'm talking about, "'I'll give you a leaf out of my own experience. Well, I, "'I remember when I was courting Mrs. Vivian. "'She was an airy, teasing little butterfly of a thing, "'no higher than my third waistcoat button.' very like our felice and she led me an uneasy dance for many a long day i was young and green and didn't know any better so i sighed and prayed and pined and dwindled lost my appetite i did sir upon my word lost twenty pounds in weight and all for nothing my little lady was like the weather kind one day thundering and lightning the next well sir I got mighty tired of it, after a while. And so one morning I rode over to see Dolly. I found her in one of her pettish, teasing humors, peeping at me from under her lashes, and laughing at me in a way that was fairly maddening. I stood it for a matter of half an hour or so. 
Then I jumps to my feet. Goodbye, Dolly, I said, loud and careless-like, though I was ready to cry like a booby. I'm off for the North Pole with Androvsky. You remember that Russian chap that got up an Arctic expedition about that time. Frozen every man jack of em and served em right, too. No, says Miss Dolly. And all her pretty pink color disappeared, and with it every one of her tantalizing airs and graces. No, Robert, she says, half sobbing. Yes, Dolly, I repeated, louder than before. I'm off tomorrow. I'm sick of this philandering, madam, I said. Well, to cut a long story short, she flung herself into my arms and entreated me to stay. Of course I stayed, and we were married in a month's time. That's my way of managing a woman, sir, and I've never had any trouble with any of em from that day to this. Hugh Ghent had listened with respectful attention to this illuminating dissertation. All women are not alike, he observed seriously. They're alike in one thing, young man. They all respect and love a masterful husband, and don't you forget it. I'd advise you to put your foot down on this nonsense of marriage right now, and to keep it down. I shan't allow Felice to go on this wild goose chase to Hawaii, and I've told her so. She's next door to being engaged to be married herself, to a young man I thoroughly approve of. The honest doctor stood up and squared his shoulders. I hope, Ghent, you understand that I very much regret the... Uh, circumstances of yesterday he went on pulling nervously at his white beard and if i can be of any service to you in er well of course under the laws of the state you understand you have not done so badly for yourself whether you ever live with your wife or not you are entitled to a certain share of her property and i should advise you to take steps at once to secure your rights Hugh Ghent raised his hand in dignified gesture of dissent. "'I must set you right on that point, Dr. Vivian,' he said quietly. "'I not only do not propose to interfere with Mary in the carrying out of her plans and purposes, but I recognize the fact, and I wish everyone else to recognize it, that she is my wife in name only. I have already written to her guardian.' notifying him of the marriage and waiving every possible claim upon her person and her property. Do you quite understand me, sir? I understand you, Lord, yes. But if that is the case, why in the name of heaven did you marry her? That, said the other quietly, is at present entirely my own affair. End of chapter 9